Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered a new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello everyone and welcome back to What's Oppa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week we want to give a special shout out to our friend Danish who read the intro. Jumping right in, uh, this episode was directed by Joachim Dos Santos and this is his Avatar directing debut. He was also a background and character designer in the Tales of Ba Sing Se and he also has directed other fantastic episodes such as The Headband, The Beach, The Puppet Master, and Sozin's Comet 3 and 4. Interestingly enough, he's also uh, credited with a very important role in both the Justice League comic and Iron Man, the first movie. Some other fun facts. Uh, normally, during the intro title card, you know, we get some ambient music. Uh, here, we actually hear the same music that we hear in the cave later on by the band The Flamios. Mmm. <laughs> So this episode starts off with a panning shot of the Capital City Prison, also known as the Hari Balkan Prison, or the Prison Tower. And it's a panning shot of this large fortified stone tower located in the Fire Nation. It's actually inside the hollow of a volcanic crater, which is pretty crazy. And they keep their highest, most prioritized criminals there, including, as we'll see later in this episode, Uncle Iroh. Um, but this fact is actually not from the source material or any comics. This is actually from an upcoming pre-released tabletop RPG called Avatar Legends, the role-playing game by Magpie Games. Um, you can buy it right now on Kickstarter. Hmm. I'm actually pretty interested. It's kind of like D&D from what I can tell. Whoa. That sounds pretty sick. Anyway, Zuko is living out his fantasies in the middle of his night, uh, sneaking <laughs> around this prison. And he runs into a guard who asks, who's there? And then Zuko sneaks away. Yeah. Then, on a slightly nicer, more positive note, we go to Team Avatar, and they're traveling under cloud camo when they spot a cave, and they decide to, like, stop at this cave. Um, But one cool thing about this shot is you can see some of the island animals dwelling in around. So we see some toucan puffins. And I just have some fun facts about the Toucan Puffin. Um, apparently, they're known to be extremely friendly, but also lazy. So even though they can fly, they spend most of their day on the ground, either sleeping or hunting for food, which makes sense because their primary food source is the cave hopper, which we'll see uh, once we enter the cave. And Momo is actually quite fond of them, too. So they go into the cave and then Sokka's like, well, this is it. This is where we'll be living until the invasion begins. Hiding in cave after cave, after cave, after cave. And he gets pretty down about things. Um, but then eventually Katara's like, no, we don't need to hide. We just need to blend in. So they're like, let's go get some new clothes. Yep. So they appear in front of this house that has lots of clothes on clotheslines outside. And they're kind of eyeing them behind some wall. I think it's pretty cool that in all of the elemental nations, they use the natural geography to their advantage. For example, in the water nation, they use ice as their primary 
building material, I guess, and also in the Earth Kingdom. But here in the Avatar Extra says that the Fire Nation's version of steam cleaning is happening here. Happening here, And it's actually really cool. They're using some type of, you know, geothermal vents that is heating up some water to steam dry their clothing. Whoa. Wait, that's such a good catch. Yeah. Did not notice that. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Very cool. Anyway, so, you know, they're about to steal these clothes and Aang's like, I don't know about that. And the Katara is just like, I call the silk robe. And she jumps out and goes after it. Yeah. And I think this is just kind of surprising because like, <gasps> Katara stealing? Goody two-shoes Katara? Um, so it's just kind of funny. I mean, obviously they go on the little stealing spree, all of them. Um, but another thing to note is that she actually doesn't end up wearing the silk robe. She comes out in this like beautiful, like crop top like flowy pants look um so i guess she found something better than the silk robe yeah dang they must have stole a lot <laughs> if they had uh, you know, choices to, to pick from mm -hmm. afterwards um and then you know ang and the others justify it too because it's essential to their survival so you know some loose loose morality right there again <laughs> but they get their clothes um they're all pretty happy with it toff like rips out the sole for shoes and it like hits Sokka's face, which is great. And then Katara appears, you know, in his like great outfit and Aang gets all flustered and blushes. And um, yeah, there's some tension between them in this episode, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um, and I just thought this shot uh, was very reminiscent of one of the or there are a few shots like this where like Aang sees Katara in a new outfit and he's like, oh, my God. Apparently, this is the third time in the series. One of the times that stood out to me was like in the fortune teller or something. So, yeah, like another very Katang centric episode, I guess. Yes, indeed. But he ruins the party and says that Katara's necklace sticks out. And then Katara's kind of sad and she's like, oh, yeah, I guess it's pretty obviously Water Tribe, isn't it? This was like a good touch i feel like to include um but i also have a fun fact here um this is this is kind of related to the episode avatar day where Sokka loses his boomerang and he's like really distressed about it he's like everybody's like it's not a big deal and he's like it's like losing a part of your identity it's like if katara lost her hair loopies or ang lost his arrows and in this episode they do lose all those things this is like all of them are now giving up a piece of their identity i just want to call out another super small detail uh, the order in which they present their clothing, at least in the shot, is, I believe, Toph first, and then it's Sokka, and then it's Katara. But Aang only calls out that Katara still has her necklace on, but Toph still has her Earth Kingdom headband on. So clearly, mm. we know where he's looking. <laughs> <laughs> of course. They're at the Fire Nation Bazaar looking for stuff, I presume. Uh, and then Aang is with Momo, and obviously flying lemurs are not from the Fire Nation Isles, so Aang tucks him inside his shirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in this scene we see everybody kind of replacing one of their token items with a Fire Nation replacement. So we see Katara get a new necklace, we see Toph get a new hairpiece, we see Sokka get a new like top knot wrap, and then we see... Well, Aang already has his headband over his head, I guess. Kind of cool. I think the costumes here are really cool. Yeah, for sure. We also see them pay with some sort of Fire Nation currency, mm, which, mm -hmm. where do they get that from? Stealing. <laughs> <laughs> of course. 
And Aang says, I used to visit my friend Kuzan here 100 years ago. So everyone, just follow my lead and stay cool. Yeah, and here we have uh, a call back to Kuzan, who we first heard about in the Blue Spirit episode in season one, um, when Aang was kind of like talking to Zuko as Zuko was, you know, coming back to consciousness. It's kind of cool to incorporate him again. Yeah, there's actually some interesting fan theories that suggest that Kuzan was actually Fire Lord Azulon. What? Whoa. (laughs) They're not substantiated. In fact, I think Brian and Mike have said that he was born 90 years before, which Mm. doesn't add up. But I don't know. The theories are pretty convincing. You can go read it for yourselves. (laughs) Another thing I found interesting, they were like kind of hiding behind a building and Aang says, stay flamin'. And stay flamin', according to the Avatar extras, is actually Fire Nation version of old-timey speak. So Aang is a mm-hmm. geriatric in this episode. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> He's like using all the super old lingo, uh, which is funny. Yeah, Aang is walking around town saying, greetings, my good hotman. And <laughs> uh, they end up at a meat place, and Aang is looking around bewildered. Sokka says, come on, Aang, everyone here eats meat, even the meat. And it cuts to a panning shot of a hippo cow eating some meat. And this hippo cow is actually uh, the same hippo cow, or fire-breathing hippo cow, carrying Lord Ozai in one of Aang's future nightmares, uh, which is Mm. a fun Mm, connection. Because he was so traumatized by the meat eating the meat (laughs) and like the fact that he would have to eat meat in the Fire Nation or go like rummaging through the trash for cabbage or whatever. I think that's what he said. Um, Wow, so Cabbage Man would not have done well in the Fire Nation. Mm -hmm. In Mm. his market. I guess not. I think one of the other Avatar Extra comments was saying how the Fire Nation is based off Japan in real life. But their sushi is not as good. (laughs) So there we go. Yeah. Um, So Aang stays behind while the others go to get food. And Aang's walking around calling everyone Hotman. I read online that Hotman is like the Fire Nation equivalent of Sir. But it also must be like old timey speak, right? Because I don't mean no Mm -hmm. one says this except for him. Aang is going around just traumatizing adults. (laughs) And then we see a sterner, older, meaner looking group of adults come up to him and say, it's over. We've caught you. And then A's looking freaked out. He's like thinking, haha, it's me. And then one of the guys is like, next time you play hooky, you might as well take off your school uniform. And then they grab him and bring him to school. Yeah. And now we are entering the first school ever. Wow. Well, actual school. I'm remembering there's like Master U's Earthbending Academy, you know, but this is like real school. So I guess do kids not go to school in the other nations? I don't really know. I guess they're too busy fighting the war. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Aang walks into this classroom and everyone's like, oh, very surprised. Like, who is this new kid? And the teacher named Quan is like, oh, is this a new mind ready for molding? Yeah, so fun fact, this teacher, Miss Quan, was actually the teacher to very important statesmen and members of the Fire Nation Society, including Vachir, if you guys remember. Vachir is the Yuyan archer of the Rough Rhinos. And his name in Mongolian means thunderbolt. Good teacher, I guess. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Kwan is like, wait a minute, you're not from the Fire Nation. And the guards are like, oh, what? 
feel like the guards in this like episode are really funny. Um, and then teacher Kwan is like, clearly you're from the colonies. And then Aang's like, oh yeah, the colonies, of course, the Fire Nation colonies in the Earth Kingdom. Yeah, I thought this was just a cool moment, you know, it kind of reminds us that there are colonies and alludes to all the different places around the world where uh, Fire Nation culture has permeated for a hundred years now. But I thought this was very lucky of Aang to get this out. <laughs> and then Miss Kwan's like, your <laughs> etiquette is terrible. In the homeland, we bow to our elders like so. And then she bows to Aang um, and Aang like kind of tries to bow, but there's a girl in the class who actually teaches him the right way to do it because he was doing the wrong hand gesture. Yeah, so fun fact, the Fire Nation salute, or bow, I suppose, is supposed to look like a flame, and you make it by making a palm with one hand and then a fist at the bottom. Mm. Um, doing some research, if you remember Sifu Kisu, who is the martial arts director for the show, in his Tumblr blog... If you, if you go really deep in the archives, there's this post where he shows different uh, hand bowing gestures. And it looks like this one is influenced by the Pac-Mei, uh, I guess, salute. Mm. And it symbolizes with the closed fist, the five major lakes of China. And then with your palm, it's the four fingers or the four seasons surrounding China. And mm. there's a quote from Sifu Willy Peng. Don't know who he is. Shout out to this guy. Uh, and he says, it's the notion of five lakes and four seas implies an all-encompassing idea of kinship amongst the inhabitants of China, hence a universal unity. But I guess, I suppose, in this sense, it's the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's very cool. Some other things I would just say, check out his Tumblr blog. He's still actively posting. His last <laughs> post is a last-minute martial arts pop-up in Reno, Redono Beach, California, on this Sunday. So... If you have managed to catch this episode, somehow we release it in the next couple of days. Uh, you can see <laughs> That's so funny because we will be releasing this in like over two months. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, sorry guys. Uh, sorry you missed it. But, uh, you know, be on the lookout for him at his other future events. So then Miss Kwan is like, oh, also we don't wear head coverings indoors. Some more fire... Um, imagery is we see the school symbol in the background it's triangle shaped and it's also meant to resemble a flame but we'll also notice that Aang's headband has the school logo upside down so this kind of like points to two things first it's supposed to resemble Aang's arrow but also it kind of indicates that he does not belong um you know he doesn't really like know the logo he's an outsider so um he's wearing the logo words or upside down but then he he gets away with yet another thing he's like um i have a scar it's really embarrassing um somehow he gets away with it and miss kwan is like what is your name or should we just call you mannerless colony slob and ang's like just slob is fine or kuzan afterwards all the students leave and they're hanging out in the courtyard and Aang starts talking to Momo, who's been hiding in his clothes all day. And Aang's telling him how his date was great. And he's having so much fun at school. And then the girl we met earlier who taught him the salute, Anji, comes up and she says, don't let the headmaster catch you with that monkey. And then Aang says, what monkey? Um, and then she says, don't worry, I'm not a tattletale. My name's Anji. I like your headband, by the way. Um, some fun facts about Anji. Her hairstyle is actually... 
similar to that from Chihiro, uh, which is the main protagonist from Spirited Away, and has been mm. cited by the creators as one of their inspirations. Um, Anji is actually named after Angie, which is a member of the staff as well. And she's one of the few people in the Fire Nation who don't have black hair and amber eyes. Mm-hmm. Clearly, her boyfriend Hide is intimidated by Aang's muscular stature, and he pushes Aang out of the way um, and puts his arms around Anji. And Aang says, wow, you must be one of those popular kids I've been hearing about. And, you know, it sounds really demeaning, but he actually means it in the most innocent way possible. (laughs) Um, And then Hide says, that's right. Now listen, friend. I know you're from the colony, so I'll say this slowly. Anji is my girlfriend. Don't forget it. Um, and it's pretty funny at this point, the after extra says, uh, strong muscle and a weak mind. Mm-hmm. And then Hide walks away with Anji. And while he was claiming that she was his girlfriend, she's like rolling her eyes, like not smiling. Like this is a very one-sided relationship. Um, and another thing I thought was like, this guy kind of reminds me of Sokka when he's peak annoying. Um, <laughs> like when he was, um, misogynist Sokka. Uh, Yeah. Also, I think he has brown hair as well. Um, So kind of these, a lot of these kids stick out from the typical Fire Nation look for some reason. There's some infidelity going around. Yeah. (laughs) Some mixing of the races. Um, Yeah, it's actually interesting. The Promise, which is the first graphic novel after Avatar, uh, explores that topic quite a bit. Hmm. Interesting. Shout out to the graphic novels and Dark Horse <laughs> comics. So Aang is just sitting there being slapped in the face by Hide figuratively. And then this random kid named Shoji says, I don't believe it. He didn't beat you up. Not even a little. <laughs> and Shoji's so enamored with Aang. He says, we were on our way to play hide and explode. You want to come? Yeah, and I just thought this was so funny, like a funny little joke <laughs> they snuck in here. Because like, what even is this game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also i'm like wait ang isn't a bender i assume you have to use firebending to make things explode but apparently according to avatar extras hide and explode is just a lot like hide and go seek seek except more dangerous and you don't have to be a bender to play so overall it just makes no sense no it sounds so scary when you seek when you find somebody you explode them <laughs> without bending what does that mean <laughs> I bet Combustion Man was great at this game as a child. All right. Meanwhile, so Aang comes back to the team in the cave after his long day away with the kiddos. And Katara's like, where have you been? We've been worried sick. And Aang says, I got invited to play with some kids after school. And he sounds totally like, you know, a six-year-old kid, which is, mm-hmm. which is great. Aang gets his moment to be a kid again this episode. And Sokka, who's also hilarious this episode, he pops up and he's like, after what? And he's like, I enrolled in a Fire Nation school and I'm going back tomorrow. And Sokka's like, I enrolled in what? And then, yeah, then, we, then we move on. Uh, I love Sokka. Yeah, there's some amazing comedy here. Cutting away from Sokka's antics, uh, we're back at the capital city prison. It's a pretty grim place. Mm. And now we finally see Iroh and Zuko is visiting him. Um, and it's pretty sad because this is the only episode where Iroh turns his back on Zuko and this is the first of a few where he does not talk at all. 
There are a few theories about why he never responds to Zuko. One of them is that around this time, Mako actually passed away, the voice actor for the first voice actor for Iroh. People are thinking, oh, maybe this is just like, you know, because you know, Mako is no longer with the show. Um, but actually, the creators came out and said that this was very intentional for Iroh to completely just block Zuko out. Um, maybe it's just like the his peak disappointment or, you know, maybe he thought that there was no way that he could help Zuko. Zuko is really just on his own now. Um, but yeah, the silence is deafening here. And I'm even, I'm like, oh, Iroh, please just help him one more time. Yeah, I think it's actually really powerful because it's just like Zuko has to be alone with the decisions he's made, you know, mm-hmm. face the consequences. Yeah. Also, like, actually insane that he just got his uncle imprisoned. <laughs> like, thrown <laughs> into prison. Back to the cave. There's a lot of, like, highs and lows in this episode. Asaka is like, I'm trying to be mature and not immediately shoot down your idea, but sounds really terrible. Like, the school idea he's referencing. And Toph is like, yeah, we got our outfits. What do you need to go to school for? And I thought this was kind of an interesting comment because I feel like it illustrates some more of Toph's like disdain for proper society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this might have been her life. You know, she might have had to go to school and like do the whole kit, like that whole thing. Um, she's, you know, she doesn't like that life and she didn't want that for herself. So she's like, yeah, like what the heck? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then Aang's like, every minute I'm in that classroom, I'm, learn- I'm learning new things about the Fire Nation. I already have a picture of Fire Lord Ozai and here's one I made out of noodles. And he just like pulls <laughs> one and his like school assignment out to show his friends. He's so proud. And I was just like, this is so funny. This is like a kindergarten assignment. These kids are definitely <laughs> at least in middle school. Uh, so I was like, very confused by the schooling system or the you know assignments that they're giving out but also fun fact is that this um noodle portrait is actually uh, seen again in the nightmares and daydreams episode later so yeah pretty cool nightmares and daydreams is has a lot of references i'm looking forward to that one I'm right. <laughs> yeah and then Sokka's like oh, i still think it's too dangerous and then Aang kind of baits him by saying, I guess we'll never find out about the secret river then. It goes right to the Fire Lord's palace. We are supposed to learn about it in class tomorrow, dot, dot, dot. And Sokka's like, okay, fine. Let's stay a few more days. And then Aang goes, Flamio, Hotman, which is the very first time we hear this iconic phrase. Um, but I read in the Avatar wiki that apparently Flamio Hotman actually means hello. So have oh, we been using no Flamio Hotman incorrectly this whole time? Maybe, but also it could be like an aloha thing where it means both hello and goodbye. But yeah, yeah like we do that. end all mm. our, well, Justin does end all our podcasts with Flamio Hotman. So I don't know. Time to change if, our entire podcast and start with it. But um, we actually do never learn about that secret river that goes right to the Fire Lord's palace. Yeah. So Aang was just totally straight up lying to Sokka. <laughs> deceiving He's a good liar. It's a bad Manipulative. Monk. Yeah. Aang lies in this episode. He steals in this episode. Bad monk. Maybe he, he dances in this episode. In this episode. <laughs> it's a mess. Rebel with the cause. We cut back to Aang being rebellious again. And Teacher Kwan enters the classroom and everyone stands. And she says, recite the Fire Nation Oath. Uh, some fun facts about the Fire Nation Oath. Uh, it was actually commissioned by Fire Lord Sozin, and it's titled The March to Civilization. 
Um, and then everyone starts reciting the oath to facing a portrait of Fire Lord Ozai. Yeah, and I thought this was just interesting. They're not even pledging to, well, I don't know. Like, I guess in the U.S. you pledge allegiance to the flag. But here they're just like pledging or reciting the oath to a portrait of Fire Lord Ozai. So it just really makes it feel like almost a religious like experience. Like they're, it's like praying or like speaking to a god. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Anyway, the class starts reciting the oath and Ing is looking around, uh, feigning how to say it and saying random stuff like <laughs> Fire Lord, firebenders and then he just gives up and starts saying blah 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 like after everyone else finishes too <laughs> so unnecessary yeah uh and his classmates are clearly enamored with him and then teacher kwan uh cannot take this insubordination and she says since it's obviously hilarious to mock our national oath we'll begin with a pop quiz on a great march of civilization yeah and i thought this was i was just curious what this great march of civilization is because i mean as justin you just said like the um oath is actually called the march of civilization so like what era is this even referring to like what are they getting quizzed on is it just i guess like maybe i mean the the first question she asked later is about you know the war so maybe like the march of civilization encompasses kind of like this whole war era like mission to unite the four nations i don't know march of civilization sounds to me like them expanding their culture and by that meaning, like, taking over the rest of the world. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's the motivation that we learn in The Awakening. And all the students groan uh, at the sight of another quiz. And then teacher Kwan says, question one. What year did Fire Lord Sozin battle the Air Nation army? Yeah, and a fun fact here I read online is the... Teacher actually refers to the Air Nomads as the Air Nation um, specifically. So it's kind of just another propaganda move to antagonize like all, all other people. Um, yeah. So just small tweaks like in the wording make it seem like kind of like give you a sense of what type of revisionist history they're teaching all the citizens. Yeah. Uh, and Aang immediately raises his hand and he stands and says, is that a trick question? The Air Nomads didn't have a formal army. Sozin defeated them by ambush. Um, and then all the students are looking at him like, dude, like, shut up. And teacher Kwan <laughs> says, well, I don't know how you could possibly know more than our national history books unless you were there a hundred years ago. And then Aang looks pretty guilty and sits down. He actually wasn't there a hundred years ago. He was in an iceberg. <laughs> so then we see another class, uh, they're all in music class now, and the teacher is conducting the band. Yeah, this teacher looks super funny, like his proportions are all out of whack. <laughs> um, and some of the Avatar wiki comments were really mean, but really funny. And I'm going to read <gasps> some of them. Oh, no. One of them says he is the most hideously disfigured <laughs> character in all of Avatar. Um, another one says he looks like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> third one is uh, just music man and fat boy exclamation point. That's so funny. He looks like um, Jack Horner from the latest Puss in Boots movie. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that movie, wow, fantastic. It was so good. Everyone should go see the Puss in Boots movie. Probably won't be in theaters anymore, but you got to stream it. 
Yeah. So then the students start playing pretty badly. Um, it's pretty, it's very grating on the ears. Um, and then Aang takes a big breath in and then plays a sungi horn in a very disruptive way. I just thought, oh, like maybe he's so good. Well, I mean, he's not that good at sungi horn, but he plays for a really long time because he probably could like, he has so much breath as an airbender. Mm, I never thought about that. And this isn't the first time we've heard the sungi horn. It was actually in book one when Iroh plays the horn during the ship's music night. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then the teacher here says, stop that hullabaloo going on with your feet. And Aang's like, oh, wait, I'm just dancing. You guys do dances here in the homeland, right? And Shoji's like, not really, no. And then um, eventually the teacher is like, oh, I understand you're very moved. So if you must, you may march in place quietly the next time the urge hits you. Yeah, and then Aang gets pouty and sad and softly stomps his feet. And then it cuts to Aang back in the courtyard. And Anji says, hi, Kuzan. I really like that dance you were doing. Um, first of all, I don't know about you guys, but you know how Netflix does that thing where they use like machine learning to determine which clips of, of a TV show would be good for mm, an ad? Yep. Yeah, it uses mm. this. Yeah, oh, it's always every... hi, Kuzan. Yeah, it's always <laughs> hi, Kuzan. I'm like, this has nothing yeah, at all to yeah. do with the show. It's because a pretty girl, you know? You gotta hook in all the uh, teen boys. <laughs> Give them some jailbait. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then Aang says, Thanks, Anji. I could show it to you again if you like. And then Hide firebends at Aang and tries to fight him. And they go back and forth with some like pretty raunchy statements. He's like, What are you gonna show Anji? N- no one shows my Anji anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go like, back and forth kind of in like a school schoolyard brawl but in the most ang way possible because he's just like easily ducking and bending around him kind of like in an ollie type way where he's just like not getting hit at all um and ang's smiling as he's doing this and then hide falls to the ground and the grandmaster comes out and hide's like sniffling and crying in the background and he says picking fights on your second day we need to have a conference to discuss your punishment Bring your parents to my office after school and don't be late. And the Avatar Extras actually says here, I believe, that this was partially influenced by the movie Footloose. Uh, And I think that's, I've never seen it, but it's about a town where dancing is banned. And then they dance to, I guess, overcome authoritarian rule, I guess. Yeah, it also says that this is Avatar's version of Footloose with awesome kung fu fighting. I can definitely see it. Yeah, speaking of kung fu fighting, when Aang is fighting Hide, he just like avoids all of Hide's attacks without, you know, even having to throw a punch himself, like a single punch himself. And this is apparently inspired by Bagua martial arts, which is actually the entire inspiration behind airbending. So he uses this like circle walking moves, which, yeah, we've seen, uh, I think once before, I think in season one, he's used these Mm -hmm. against Zuko too. Aang starts to protest, but then the headmaster walks away, and Hide smirks. Yeah, so now Aang has to meet with the headmaster and bring his parents. So we're in the headmaster's office, and he says, Thank you for coming, Mr. and Mrs. And we get cut to a shot of Sok and Katara dressed up as Aang's parents. It's just so funny. Um, it just they just look ridiculous. Sokka has this like big bushy beard and Katara's literally fake pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and like 
Sokka's like, fire, wang fire. And this is my wife, <laughs> Sapphire. <laughs> oh my god, Sokka. You're killing me. <laughs> Some more fun facts. Uh, Wang Fire actually makes another appearance in an Avatar comic called Private Fire. <laughs> and in that one, Sokka joins the Fire Nation army. Um, and then the extra says, it turns out to be a bad idea. That's funny. Um, and Katara, quick as always, just goes, Sapphire Fire, nice to meet you. So I say quick as always because there's in season one in uh, King of Omashu, they're doing the whole Pippin Patalopsicopolis disguise and Katara catches on really quickly. Um, but if you look closely at this scene, there's actually a moment where she just looks very slightly confused before mm. she says Sapphire Fire. But yeah, sharp girl. And Headmaster's like, Mr. and Mrs. Fire, your son has been enrolled here for two days and he's already causing problems. And then Katara's like, my goodness, that doesn't sound like our Kuzan. Um, so Katara, you know, just instantly embodies the role of the mom that she was always meant to be, you know, mom of the group. And then the headmaster is like, if he acts up one more time, I'll have to send him to reform school. And by that, I mean the coal mines. <laughs> Guess, you know, just really, really strict environment here. And then, yeah. So the next scene is Zuko and May. And they're having a moment. The sun is setting. It's very romantic. And then Azula's there. She's like, <clears throat> she like interrupts them. She's like, Zuko, can I have a word with you? And Zuko's like, can't you see we're busy? And then like, they just continue making <laughs> out. Just weird. <laughs> and Azula's like, oh, May, Tylee needs your help untangling her braid. And May's like, oh, sounds serious. And so she leaves. Um, but as she leaves, you can see that she gives Azula a side mm. eye. You know, the tension is building more and more. I think, you know, we've already gotten the sense that May is a little, like, not super into Azula. And then Azula's like, so I hear you've been to visit your uncle Fatso in the prison tower. And Zuko's like, that guard told you. And then he, she was like, no, you did just now. And this kind of reminded me of the same trick she used to figure out how mm -hmm. that Aang was still alive. You know, she just kind of just, she throws these bold claims out there and just looks to see how Zuko responds. Like Zuko yeah, is very so bad, bad at holding in his feelings. But it's kind of cute, you know? He's always been good on the inside. He just wears his heart on his sleeve, you know? He can't lie. And Zuko's like, okay, you caught me. What do you want? And Azula's like, actually nothing. I'm just looking out for you. Um, you won't want people to think you've been plotting. Um, so I was just like, huh, she actually being nice in this moment? Maybe, because I feel like nothing actually comes out of this. But yeah. Then it cuts back to the Aang gang and Sokka is still in character. He says, that settles it. No more school for you, young man. And Sokka is just like stroking his facial hair. And he's just like, he loves having facial hair. Um, and this beard actually also makes an appearance in the Runaway episode and Nightmares and Daydreams. And then Aang says, I'm not ready to leave. I'm having fun for once, just being a normal kid. You don't know what it's like, Sokka. You get to be normal all the time. <laughs> Funny. Um, and yeah, I think that's one of the things I just like so much about this episode is he's just being so normal. And I think like having Katara and Sokka play his parents highlights how much like younger he is than them. I mean, only like two years or so, but uh, really, he didn't really get to have like the childhood. Yeah, so... And then Toph says, ha ha, 
And Aang says, listen, guys, those kids at school are the future of the Fire Nation. If we want to change this place for the better, we need to show them a little taste of freedom. And he says, I'm going to throw them a secret dance party. Um, and the Avatar extras here actually says that in Avatar, the third act usually features a big fight sequence. But this third act is a little different. It features a big dance sequence. And that before the war, the Fire Nation was well known as one of the danciest cultures. Mm. And then Sokka immediately says, go to your room. <laughs> and then commercial break. Yes. So much suspense. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, the next scene is of the big dance party, you know, the key moment of the episode. And the cave is all decorated. There are all these candles all over the place, Toph, earth bent to form, you know, various stages for the band and for the dance floor. Yeah. And, you know, right before the commercial break, Sokka's like, go to your room. And now all of a sudden, they're literally transforming this cave to like fit Aang's every desire so I just kind of thought it was funny like how did he actually convince them so there must have been some very spirited debate that we missed out on during that commercial great party break. planners as well so <laughs> anyway so the students start coming and Toph can hear them from ways away and she's like everyone stop bending and then they also hide Appa further down in the cave which is sad <laughs> I know Appa hates caves and then we see some of the kids from the school are drawing and playing music, and Aang introduces them as the band, the Flamios. And yeah, I have a fun fact about the Flamios. Um, they're a band with six members, consisting of two percussionists, a Sungi horn player, and a Pippa player, and a Mornkur player, which is another stringed instrument. Um, Oh, and, and another wind instrument player. So, yeah. And according to the Avatar Wiki, this band took their passion for music very seriously. They dreamed of touring the world together one day. I guess after the war is over. <laughs> yeah, something I found really funny also from the Wiki was that in the beach commentary from the DVD version of Book 3, it was suggested that... The Flamios played at Chan's party, if you guys remember, and the word spread all over the Fire Nation after the party. Mm, that was their big break. Well, it's not working for everyone at the moment because Aang looks back and sees everyone is just standing there. No one's doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Lame. There's this one kid who is a little bit bigger than the rest of the kids, <laughs> and he like sinks into the collar of his shirt. And the extras actually calls him no neck guy for obvious reasons. <laughs> and it actually says that crowd sequences are often the hardest to animate. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, they must just like copy paste these people, right? <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of like similar looking kids in the crowd. Or a lot of time I feel like the crowd just has absolutely no detail. They're just like blobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they're just standing there doing nothing. Aang's like, you guys should start dancing. And they're still being hesitant. And Aang says, listen, guys, dancing isn't something you think about. It's a form of self-expression that no one can ever take from you. And then one of the friends is like, maybe it was different in the colonies, Kuzan, but we don't do that here. And Aang's like, sure you do. You have for generations. It just so happens I know several classic dances. And yeah, I thought the, this comment was actually pretty like striking to me because it shows just how the culture changes so quickly in just like a hundred years. It's like, oh, they were the danciest culture for so long. And now the dance is just lost. You know, Aang demonstrates, you know, some of the classic Fire Nation moves like the Phoenix Flight and the Camelophant Strut. 
And I read this online, but the Phoenix flight actually foreshadows the season finale where Ozai actually crowns himself Phoenix King and then using an armada of airships goes to burn the Earth Kingdom to the ground. Um, So that's the Phoenix flight. And also, fun fact, is that the like movements of the Phoenix fight resemble those of a dance called Kazachok, Kazachok, which is a Ukrainian and Russian folk dance. Yeah, Aang just continues to show off his moves and he kind of struts over to a group of girls and they all giggle. And then, you know, everyone's cheering him on and then Toph's like, who knew Twinkle Toes could dance? And Katara looks over and smiles at him. Yeah. Yeah, and just something I thought about is this reminds me a lot of the um, Warriors of Kyoshi episode where Aang was also quite the ladies' man. I feel like when he's in his like carefree, like doesn't have to worry about being the Avatar state, he's just so charismatic and like fun and funny. Um, and we don't get to see that a whole lot, but you know, he really becomes quite the lady <laughs> magnet when he's in that mode. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he does love, uh, you know, the attention of the ladies. Yeah, back to the prison. Zuko makes another visit. You know, he really wants Iroh to talk to him. So he tries to entice him with some Komodo chicken. And he says, you know, I admit I have everything I always wanted, but it's not at all how I thought it would be. The truth is I need your advice. I think the Avatar is still alive. I know he's out there. I'm losing my mind. Please, uncle. I'm so confused. I need your help. And I just thought like the voice acting and the animation here was really good. Uh, his eyes just look very pleading. His, especially his one eye that's not scarred. Like they just get so wide. Like he's really afraid. Um, and you know, this is like, this is the scene where it hurts the most that like Ira doesn't say anything. Yeah. On a lighter note, uh, some more fun facts. Apparently Komodo chicken is very gamey. Uh, well, mm. not real. <laughs> And also we learned that Uncle Iroh prefers roast duck over Komodo chicken. Mmm, less gamey, probably. Yeah, I guess Zuko also says, I know you don't care for it, but it beats prison food. But yeah, again, Iroh does not respond, and Zuko's like, forget it, I'll solve this myself. Waste away in here for all I care. Um, But when he leaves, he actually looks back um, again. So yeah, very sad. And then Iroh sheds a tear, um, because it's, breaks him on the inside to see him to see Zuko like this you know do you think that like if Zuko you know got to this position like you know got his honor back like got the you know affection of his father back but the cost was Iroh being imprisoned and like Zuko was just totally happy with that Iroh would still be happy or would at least be like Mm, I think he would I don't know I mean, obviously he wouldn't be happy, but like, would he be like content to just like sit in prison? I mean, I don't know. Like, what if like, yeah, what if like Zuko just like never came and like felt no remorse and whatever? Probably. I mean, he knows Zuko made the wrong decision. So I think he'll still, he would still fight for Zuko, you know. Uh, now we're back at the cave at the dance party and Aang is showing off twirling around the dance floor. And then he twirls up to Anji and asks her to dance. And she blushes and takes his hand. Which, you know, if you consider the sequence of events that have led up to this moment, like, he's clearly uh, making, uh, at least trying to piss off Hide. Um, And then Sokka (laughs) says, wow, they look pretty good together. And then Katara looks to the side. She says, eh, if that's what you like. 
Um, and then everyone <laughs> starts joining in and having a good old rave. And then Aang asks Katara to dance, and Katara is a little wishy-washy about it. And Aang says, take my hand. And I'm like, this is one of the best Katang moments. Like, it's not awkward. It's not like Aang pining for her. It's like, he's confident. Also, Avatar Extras uh, makes a funny comment here and references the fact that they've always had their most romantic moments in caves. <laughs> <laughs> this dance and in the Cave of Two Lovers. It's interesting also because the extras, which I believe are officially licensed from Nickelodeon, says that the dancing here is based off capoeira, which is some Brazilian martial arts style. But then in Sifu Kisu's Tumblr post where he's responding to someone, he says that it's actually not capoeira, it's uh, Northern Shaolin. So some conflicting information. Um, wow, can we ever trust the extras again? Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's a long dance sequence. Maybe it's all of them. Yeah, there's a lot going on. But it, they call it dancing with the avatar and the extras. So mm. could be a future thing. Who knows? There's another avatar coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And then they start dancing and everyone is watching them dance. Yeah. And I just read something funny online. Apparently, the dance that they do is known uh, by fans as the Katango. <laughs> That's cute. Um, and then Katara says, everyone's watching. And then Aang says, don't worry about them. It's just you and me right now. And then Katara blushes. Yeah, and there's just like a series of shots where they're like giving each other the Nala eyes <laughs> from Lion King, uh, from Can You Feel the Love Tonight and Lion King, which is just like very like sexual, just kind of funny. It's turned awkward again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then everyone starts applauding. Yeah, and like the final um, pose of the dance is like he's dipping her, and then they're both like sweating a lot. So I'm like, wait, like this is this is like too much. Like this has become like way too, I don't know, X-rated. <laughs> they're pushing the boundaries of what Nickelodeon is allowed to show. Now we cut to outside of the cave, and you can hear the music going on in the background. And Hide is outside with the headmaster, and they want to come bust the party, and they bust in and headmaster points to Aang he says he's the one we want the boy with the headband and all the guards start running into the crowd and then they're looking for kids with headbands but turns out everyone has a headband and they can't find him yeah so this part where um all the kids put on their headbands which is actually like their waist tie so everyone has one um i just it's just really creepy it reminded me of like all the judies <laughs> basically they're like oh is it me is it me like are you looking for me and the guards are like being encircled with these creepy kids so i thought that was a choice yeah um there's some creepy music too it's definitely an interesting effect it's kind of funny one thing um i found out that i didn't realize but i read online is that actually when everyone puts their headbands on now, they also put their headbands on upside down, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's a really cool, yeah. You know, in solidarity with Aang, but it's act, it's also like a subtle act of rebellion against the authorities. Yeah. If you actually think about what this symbolizes just for a moment, it's kind of messed up because like, it's like someone wearing an upside down American flag on their t-shirt, like showing up to school. And they're doing the play. <laughs> I don't know. The Aang gang makes their escape, uh, and then his friend winks at them. And then Toph earth bends this hole in the mountain close, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Yep. And so, end of the day, Team Avatar safely flies away on Appa. 
And Toph says, way to go, Dancy Pants. I think you really did help those kids. You taught them to be free. And kind of joys what you were mentioning before about Toph rebelling against authority. I thought this was also kind of like a good line from her because she can definitely empathize mm-hmm. with those kids living under mm-hmm. the authoritarian rule. Yeah, good point. And then Katara was like, that was some dance party, Aang. And she kisses him on the cheek. Aww. Yeah, so happy ending for Team Avatar, but not for long because Zuko is making plans of his own and there's a sound of this metallic man approaching and Zuko's like, I've heard about you. They say you're good at what you do and even better at keeping secrets. The Avatar is alive. I want you to find him and end him. Um, And I think it just like dawned on me. I mean, obviously we all knew this was crazy, but I feel like after rewatching, I'm like, dude, it's insane that Zuko would hire an assassin to kill Aang. Like, it's actually crazy. I feel like it's just become unhinged. Like, just thinking back to, you know, the moment, you know, that conversation where Aang was talking to Zuko about his old friend Kuzan. Like, you know, they've had moments together. He would never kill someone, you know, just like because of who he is. But just the fact that he would like fully hire an assassin to go after Aang, you know, this kid who he's like has a has some sort of small bond with. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, I also have some fun facts about this guy. Sparky, sparky, boom, man. Um, apparently he discovered his ability to, you know, do combustion bending or whatever when he was a young child, but he was initially unable to control it. And so he accidentally blew off his right arm and leg, which he replaced with his metal limbs. So that's kind of why he looks the way he does. Also, apparently he's seven too. Uh, so he's just huge, pretty, uh, scary guy. Um, but yeah, so we have our, we have our secondary villain for the season, ready to, ready to go. Um, so with that, let's get into our ratings. I'm going to give this episode a three. I think it was very funny. I like the meat eating the meat and Sokka. That always makes me laugh that, that one little shot and Sokka was great. And there, you know, there is that world building element to, to it, which is cool. And a little bit of Zuko moment, which is cool. But at the end of the day, would I choose to ever watch this episode again? Like, no, I would never would. I would give this a seven or, yeah, I, seven. I don't think it's an eight. I actually find this episode quite endearing. Um, and I think it actually fulfills a really important purpose of humanizing the Fire Nation. Uh, because before this, they're just military and they're just soldiers. We don't really ever get to see anyone outside of the royal family. And we see actually Fire Nation children and people that are Ing and Katara and Sokka's age. And that makes Aang's plight to not kill the Fire Lord all that more palpable, I guess. So that's really important. Yeah, and then also on top of that, I just find this to be a really, really funny episode. I think it is a little weird tonally in the context of everything else that's going on in this part of the season. But that being said, I think that's okay. It's like a nice, almost like bit of comedic relief in the middle of this first half of the season. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just generally really like this episode. I gave this episode a six. So yeah, I think also above average, Um, especially this time rewatching it. I feel like I probably wouldn't have chosen to rewatch this episode before, but I think I just realizing how funny this episode is. Like, I feel like every single scene with Team Avatar just has like a laugh out loud moment. 
Um, I also just love seeing Aang thriving and seeing him in his element. And the music is really good. Um, and yeah, I just really like, I mean, after doing research, I really like how much detail was put into this episode and like painting a very holistic picture of like the Fire Nation lifestyle and like its citizens and stuff um yeah I agree it's a little like off in terms of the tone um but I thought it was like probably before that's why I was like I'm not into this one it's too silly but it's just very funny I would definitely rewatch I feel like these jokes wouldn't get old well that concludes this episode of the podcast thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of the headband This season will be releasing on the first Wednesday of every month, so we'll see you next time for What's Up a Wednesday. Um, If you want to stay up to date with when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye. Stay flaming.